Hello everyone and welcome to the Commander's Forge. My name is Andy Bentley and the Forge is an area for me to talk about magic, commander, and anything else. Now, anybody who doesn't live under a rock would know that Wizards gave us a first look at Dominaria United. But the release date for Dominaria United isn't until September 9th, which means we got this look a full month before the set. And I don't really want to go into too many details because I'm sure I'm most certainly not the first to get to it, and clearly a lot of people have already talked about the spoilers that are coming and the things that were found online. So instead, I want to talk about a theory based on something that was confirmed with what they showed. The first Planeswalker we had that was completed was Tamiya. Now, according to what they released as part of the spoiler, Ajani has also been f turned into a Phyrexian. So I have this running theory that the Chibi Planeswalkers are all going to be completed before the end of this storyline. Now, what do I mean by the Chibi Walkers? Well, there was a, you know, one of those secret lairs back a while ago that had Chibi versions of Planeswalkers. It included Tamiyo, Ajani. Those two we know have already been completed. Then we have Ashiok, who we already know, if he isn't there, is somewhere around there. Because we got that short story about Elishnorn having nightmares, which were given to her by Ashiok. Then we also have Angrath. And the last one is Soren. Now, sure, Soren is one of the most ancient planeswalkers, arguably one of the strongest planeswalkers. So, sure, he'd be scary if he was completed. But if Angrath gets completed, we've already seen one parent figure turned into a Phyrexian, and that is Tamiyo. It is confirmed that she has a family. Angrath's whole story from Ixalan is him being trapped there and trying to find a way home to Theros and his daughters. And if they end up making him a Phyrexian, I, I can't speak for everybody, but I would be very not happy with that. But yeah, that's basically the theory that's been kicking around a little bit now. And honestly... Until until we see another one, I'm not going to say it's confirmed, but 2 out of 5 is a little bit of a trend. But yeah, I think that's about all I had for this part, and I'll be right back where we're going to continue the series that we started and then kind of forgot about last week. We'll be right back. I just want to take a minute to tell you about my Patreon. I know times are hard for everybody, and I know 
it isn't easy to shuffle around bills and stuff. Believe me, I know that. But if you would like to help support the podcast, you can find the links to my Patreon in my link tree, which is always put into the description of either the video or the audio, wherever you're listening to it. It would really mean the world to me. Honestly, I'm just struggling to make ends meet most weeks, but that's it. That's all. If you want to help, the links will be where you can find them. And we're back. Now, this week, we will be continuing my look at comparing decks that I've made based on what I have in my collection versus what an EDH rec generates as a average deck list. Now, so far, I started with Mono Green doing my Finn the Fangbearer deck. Then I've done Mono White with my Linden Steadfast Queen. And I've done Mono Black with Karavek the Spiteful. Now, as for the other two colors, I don't currently have a Mono Blue deck or a Mono Red deck. So instead, I decided to look at something new that leans towards one of those colors. So I'm looking today at Duke Older Ravenguard. Uh, for Red White, 5-5, five, five, Human Noble Soldier. At the beginning of combat on your turn, another target creature you control gains haste and myriad until end of turn. And yeah, so I loaded these deck lists both into Architect. And here's what we got out of it. My deck came in at a total of $637.78. The ADH Rec generated deck list came in at $604.23. As far as mana producers, I have 30 red producing mana sources, 22 white producing mana sources, and 8 colorless mana sources. They have 29 red, 31 white, and 7 colorless. As far as the color breakdown, my deck has 51 red pips, 15 white pips, and 150 in the colorless generic area. Theirs has 32 red, 45 white, and 159 in the colorless generic area. My average CMC is 3.38. Their average CMC is 3.51. Going through the list of what I have at what mana cost, I have 7 1 drops, 17 2 drops, 13 3 drops, 10 4 drops, 12 5 drops, 3 6 drops, 0 7 or 8 drops, and 2 9 drops. The EDH Rec version has 6 1 drops, 17 2 drops, and 17 3 drops. 9 4 drops, 6 5 drops, 9 6 drops, 1 7, 1 8, and 1 9 drop. Going down into the breakdown of the decks, my deck runs 27 creatures, 5 enchantments, 10 instants, 12 sorceries, and 36 lands. Compared to them running 13 artifacts, 34 creatures, 6 enchantments, 8 instants, 5 sorceries, and 33 lands. Now, it was quite obvious to me when I was looking through the deck list as I was putting mine together 
where the big difference here is, besides the fact that they have a lot more creatures than me. They focused more on enter the battlefield effects, where I focused more on big swingy creatures, and not to say they don't have those, it's just I have more of those. But things that are included in my deck that theirs does not have include things like Underworld Breach, Experimental Frenzy, Aggravated Assault, Seize the Day, World at War, Savage Beating, Final Fortune, Urbrask the Hidden, Phyrexian Triniform, Heraldic Banner, Decanter of Endless Water, and Anger. And things that they're running that I'm not... Sun Titan, Witty Roastmaster, Core Cartographer, Knight of the White Orchid, Loyal Warhound, Durger Hedgemage, Ancient Copper Dragon, Legion Loyalty, Smothering Tithe, Impact Tremors, Sundial of the Infinite, and Jessica's Will. Now, I say those are the notable things, because on their side, Core Cartographer is when it enters, get a land... Same with Knight of the White Orchid and Loyal Warhound, as long as an opponent has more lands than you. Uh, Durgar Hedgemage, if you control two mountains, you get to destroy an artifact. And if you control two planes, you can destroy an enchantment. Ancient Copper Dragon is just absurd. I don't have a Smothering Tithe to throw in here. But they... They really want to focus on you making... Tokens. So, like... they're Just looking at the six enchantments they run... They have Anointed Procession... Goblin Bombardment... Impact Tremors... The Legion Loyalty... The Smothering Tithe... And Warstorm Surge. So they want to deal a lot of damage just from making tokens. Where mine doesn't do that. A lot of my... A lot of the creatures that I want to give the Myriad to are, well, things that both of us tended to include, like Dockside Extortionist, Inferno Titan, Imperial Recruiter. Just the things that are going to do... A lot when I make that copy. Uh, we're both running Port Razor because the the stupid thing about Port Razor is if you make three copies of Port Razor, you get three more attacks. It's just yeah. So just there's a lot a lot similar, but a, a lot of it's very different. And I don't even really want to get into, like, the differences in the lands, because I, uh... Well, there's just... I mean, that looks like a pretty solid land base that they have, but... Like, they're only running 33 lands. And I get they have a bunch of mana rocks, but I also have a bunch of mana rocks and mana dorks. And I'm still not going below 36 lands. Not with my commander costing 6 mana. But yeah, that's kind of where it is. I don't have a whole lot more to say between the two of them. I, uh, yeah, I just I put it together because... 
I didn't currently have a Boros deck. And the last few I've tried to build just have not kind of stuck. Because I can't find a Boros deck that just does something the way I want to do it. So I'm hoping Raven Guard can kind of stick around. I do know uh, next week I'll go into a more detailed breakdown of what's in the deck. But as far as this goes, it's going to be a pretty short episode this week, and I'm okay with that. I hope you all have a wonderful day. Thank you, and I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening. All of my links can be found in my link tree in the description below. I would like to thank Ian Foss and Cody Mulpey of the band The Crypt for allowing me to use music for my opening and ending, along with Nate and Erica Jacobs for making my original logo. And I would also like to thank Christina McNichol for creating my new logo. And I'll see you next time.